Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the first 2019 edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. With me again this week is Ryan and Matt. Guys, Happy New Year. First of all, uh, another fantasy year in the books. Matt, how'd you do? I started off looking really good. I had 13 out of 15 playoff teams, uh, six teams ended up making the finals, and I think I won two and lost another one by like, less than a point. So, I mean, I think I did okay. I, I feel like I always get unlucky in the playoffs. I, that's when the luck takes over, you know. I think we say that the skill in fantasy football is making the playoffs consistently year after year, and I feel like I always have bad luck in the playoffs. So, I don't know. Maybe, I'm, maybe I have a little bit of sour grapes, but uh, it didn't turn out as well as I'd hoped uh, in week, once we uh, hit week 14 anyways. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I, th- I think I matched uh, Matt's two championships so that, that was nice to get a couple would would have hate to uh, have gotten shut out but uh yeah you you hate to be disappointed with with two titles or with any titles but uh, i would have liked to have won a couple more yeah it must be a podcast thing because i was 14 out of 16 uh i only won one title though this year i had nine nine buys of those 14 teams though so lots of top seeds but got knocked off a lot. So I'm sure all of our listeners won a lot of titles, and uh, congratulations to you if you are one of them. It just means we need to play in more leagues, I guess. Well, focus. <laughs> Dig deep. we gotta, we got to work a little bit harder because our listeners are winning more titles than us, I think, right now. Uh, before the season, you guys, we did a prediction show, and if our listeners want to go back and listen to that, they can find it by searching for episode 322 of our pod. We're going to review some of those predictions. We'll also look at the final standings of our listener league and then uh, finish up the show by predicting this year's postseason. So let's uh, let's start with some of those fantasy predictions that we made before the 2018 season kicked off. And we started by talking about the rookie of the year, guys. And we did it by position because we thought that everybody would pick Saquon easily and started at quarterback. This is an interesting discussion that we had and I actually went back and listened to us to it all of us said that we just assumed that Baker wouldn't start enough games to win win this rookie of the year at the quarterback position so Matt you and I went with Sam Darnold which I still feel pretty good about Ryan you went with Josh Rosen it was a tough decision for sure and I you know like I said Matt I don't really feel all that bad about picking Darnold I think I talked about him at length in last week's episode of the podcast, how I feel like he's going to move up draft boards this offseason and is going to be a guy that I'm going to be looking to add in a few leagues. How do you feel about your choice of Darnold, knowing now how well Baker played? 
I still feel okay about it. I think, you know, that team has so much cap space. I hope they go out and get him some weapons, whether it's Le'Veon. Hey, maybe it's Antonio Brown now. He doesn't seem so happy uh, with the Steelers right now. So, you know, maybe they go get him some weapons, and I think that that sounds good uh, uh, for Darnold going forward. Baker, yeah, I just thought that, you know, Tyrod would continue to play well. You know, I'm on record as being a Tyrod guy. Um, And maybe if he hadn't got injured in that game, then he would have played a little bit longer than he did, and and this wouldn't have, uh, you know, none of us picking Baker would, wouldn't have looked as bad as it does, I guess. But yeah, I'm, I, I still am okay with Darnold. Yeah, I, I don't really think it looks all that bad, to be honest with you. We were all high on Baker, Ryan, and we went another way because of the situation and how things were going to play out. We wanted guys that were going to be on the field. And Josh Rosen, who was your selection, he was on the field and showed a few good things, but there's also things that Dynasty owners are concerned with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still like Rosen. I, really, I still like uh, all of these quarterbacks in this rookie class. I think if you have any of them, especially in a in a super flex league, you have to feel pretty confident with that. Rosen uh, is probably the one of those who has taken a step back as far as his value. And, and looking over some of our predictions, we'll get to more of them soon. But evidently I was just really overrating the Cardinals coming into the season. Um, I've, I've got a, a couple of Cardinals showed up, showed up in my uh, predictions. And obviously it was just a, a disastrous season for them. We've already seen their head coach get fired. We've seen their offensive coordinator get fired now twice this season with, with uh, left, which being let go. So um who knows what they're going to do with that coaching staff, but I just hope it's good news for Rosen and for David Johnson and, and all, really all of those players that we're counting on. Yeah, and we, we will go into a lot more of that as the offseason kind of progresses, of course. They're going to have a new coach, and there's going to be a lot going on. And I always, I always get a little bit leery when those young quarterbacks have to switch systems and get a new coach. I feel a little better about that with the recent – uh, successes of young quarterbacks in Los Angeles and in Chicago with that cha- coaching change and suddenly they can turn the corner. Maybe something like that will happen with Josh Rosen and all of us owners of, of Rosen will keep our fingers crossed. Let's go to the rookie running back of the year. We all got this one right with Saquon. So at least for uh, for now, we're each batting 500 on this thing. Saquon had just the, a marvelous year. I don't know if we, any of us really need to add too much to what he did or what we expect him to do going forward. But Ryan, if you had to give a alternate rookie running back of the year, who would yours be? I think there's a couple of good candidates, which is nice. And and it's probably not the candidates we would have picked uh, back in the preseason. Uh, A a lot of people liked Sony Michelle, obviously Darius Geis before his injury and, and some of these other guys, for me, it, it's, I guess, kind of a two-horse race between Nick Chubb and uh, and Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is a great story, but as since this is the DLF Dynasty podcast, we're focused on Dynasty here. Nick Chubb is pretty easily the player I would want in Dynasty. I think he he would be my choice here as a runner-up with that Dynasty mindset, and he he nearly matched. Uh, he nearly matched Lindsay's numbers playing about three quarters of the season or so. Yeah. And, and really, if you compare him by the game to Saquon Barkley, it was pretty comparable as well. It wasn't a bowl away for sure. So I, I chose Chubb as well as, as that second guy for rookie of the year. Of course, I, 
uh, considered Lindsay and feel like feel like he'd be uh, he, he's a great guy to have on your roster as well. But Chubb looks so dynamic after they gave him the reins and gave him all those opportunities late in the season. He looks like he's going to fit behind that improving and already very good offensive line and, and is going to be a star for years to come. Matt, who would you choose? Would you stick with Chubb as well? Yeah, it's it's definitely Chubb. I just love the direction that the team is going in general, and uh, it seems like he's going to be there for, for quite a while, you know. And, and he, he, I think he proved everybody that said he can't catch. I think we've proved that he can catch, um, so we can stop with that. And, uh, you know, hopefully Duke, Duke Johnson goes somewhere else, and, and, and he literally gets basically everything there in Cleveland. Yeah, it looks all signs are pointing towards that for sure. Let's talk about rookie wide receiver of the year, our selections from the preseason. Matt, I've always said you're a brilliant mind. <laughs> and and you chose Calvin Ridley as the rookie wide receiver of the year. Are you sticking with that pick? You know, when I saw this, Dan, I could not believe that. I know we haven't announced your pick yet, but I couldn't believe that you didn't pick him. I was really surprised to see that. Uh, but n- I don't know. I guess in terms of production, I guess he was up there at least for a stretch of the season. Um, from a dynasty mindset, I guess I would probably go ahead and say that uh, 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 Cortland Sutton is ahead of him for me at this point. Um, but I mean, it's hard to argue with what he did early in the season. And hopefully once Sanu gets out of town, um, you know, he's going to just become more prevalent in that offense, especially as Julio ages as well. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still okay with that pick. Matt, I've always said that, that sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong and you were right <laughs> early in the season and wrong now. Yeah, Ryan, exactly. you, you chose Christian Kirk, uh, as your guy in the preseason and Kirk, is another one of them Cardinals that you said you you went went ahead and uh, you were really on the bandwagon. He was he had an up and down rookie season for sure, and and most of that's tied to that quarterback and the offensive coordinator that you talked about. There's so much change coming, and I think all of us are excited to see year two and beyond. A little bit disappointing as a rookie, though, as far as I'm concerned, Ryan. Yeah, that's that's probably fair to say. Uh, and then then he had that injury to uh, end his season. So uh, all in all, a, a disappointing season for Kirk, I think, but also showed some flashes. And uh, just like Rosen, excited to see what he can do with a new staff. Hopefully they make a good hire there that that those two rookies can uh, can produce and, and pay off. Uh, if I were picking now and in hindsight, uh, Sutton's fine. Kirk is, like I said, a little bit of a disappointment. It, to me, it has to be DJ Moore. He, he's the guy that was the wide receiver one in in most dynasty rookie drafts a year ago. And uh, whether we were worried about uh, him getting an opportunity in Carolina in his in his first year, or whatever it might have been, he he emerged as the wide receiver one there. And and he's the guy uh, of all the rookie receivers that I would want right now. Yeah, DJ Moore, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, actually, that Matt didn't choose him. I kind of thought we'd be uh, all in unison talk, mentioning him. Uh, so I agree with you, DJ Moore deserves consideration, but I think Matt was right in the preseason. Kelvin Ridley, all those touchdowns, that's just a glimpse of what we're going to see, and I've said it enough, I don't have to keep preaching. I chose Anthony Miller in the preseason, and I, I still feel all right with the pick, seems like that offense like to spread the ball around. Miller would disappear for long stretches. Uh, Miller actually reminded me a little bit, 
on a smaller scale of Calvin Ridley. There were times when I watched the Bears and felt like, wow, it's time for Anthony Miller to shine and he's going to take over this offense, become that number one guy even though he's in the slot. And it just never really came to fruition. So I'm really excited to see what they do a year from now. It seems like Trubisky made that step forward. If Miller can make that same step with him and that offense continues to grow and, and get better, which I think most of us expect, Anthony Miller would take on a bigger role and will be a bigger part of Dynasty starting lineups uh, in year two and beyond. Let's go on to the tight end, guys. You two went with Mike Gusecki. He was the tight end 15 when we did this in the preseason. Gusecki, another disappointment of all of the rookies. In fact, if you probably made an all-disappointment rookie team, Gusecki would be one of the highlights of it, for sure. We all had high expectations, uh, no doubt, coming into the season. In that offense, there was an opportunity for him to take on a big role. That coaching staff with Adam Gase in charge has used tight ends in the past. Uh, We saw that back when he was in Denver, again in Chicago. It just didn't happen in Miami. So I don't know if that's just a rookie getting his feet wet. I don't know if it's uh, he was overwhelmed moving from Saturdays to Sunday or something else. But, Matt, I think we're all pretty disappointed in what we saw at Gusecki as a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Ryan and I probably, I can't can't speak for Ryan, but for myself, this was more of a pick based on, like you said, opportunity. You know, there was a a Miami offense that it looked like there was no weapons to be found there. And and then guys like Albert Wilson, uh, Jakeem Grant kind of stepped up and Gusecki just kind of faded to the background and never really made an impact for us. Uh, You know, and, and it hurts right now because pre NFL draft, my favorite tight end was Dallas Goddard. And it's impressive to me. I know he's on a better team, but, you know, he's behind Zach Ertz and he was still managed to do, you know, produce leaps and bounds ahead of Mike Kosecki. So that that screams uh, uh, like Dallas Goddard is going to be the, the tight end for this class that we're going to want going forward. I'm not, I'm not completely down on Kosecki. I think, you know, as we know, rookie tight ends don't produce and, and there's going to be opportunity. Maybe this new coach will come in and, and make him a focal point of the offense because, as of right now, they still really don't have any weapons. So he'll be in a similar situation, I think, uh, next year as he was in 2018. So not not uh, giving up on Gusecki, but definitely disappointing. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, in hindsight, Goddard versus Gusecki was the conversation that we had all offseason and then like you say, once Goddard landed there behind Zach Ertz, that was kind of the end of the conversation that Gasecki became the default tight end one. And, and that, that was understandable. And, and I still think he has a little bit of, of a claim to that spot. Uh, but looking beyond those two guys, I'm, I'm really encouraged by the year one production from some of these guys who uh, were basically, I don't want to say afterthoughts, just weren't really quite on the radar for us yet. Um, we knew these names, but just didn't expect uh, them to show up in year one. We're talking, of course, about Chris Herndon, Ian Thomas, uh, Will Disley in, in Seattle uh, started out the season well before the injury. The Texans have a couple of a couple of rookie tight ends, Jordan Akins and Jordan Thomas. So that tight end position, like you guys know, is one we just generally dismissed from uh, from a rookie perspective. And it, it's great to see these guys producing. Hopefully, Gusecki can catch up in year two. Yeah, and I think Gusecki will. Like Matt, I'm not pulling the plug or anything like that. I didn't go with Gusecki 
mainly because of what you guys talked about, that those tight ends, they take a little while to develop. So I figured, I kind of backed into Dallas Goddard, because I figured he'd get opportunities in a good offense, and he was that big target. And I believe he had a really nice catch in the preseason that showed a little bit of what we expected from from him from time to time, at least in the red zone. So I thought he had the best chance to make an impact. He came through with that. Like Matt said, I think he's going to be a star in the league. And we really only have a handful of tight ends that we can lay stake to that we feel good about putting in our lineup every week, perhaps with those guys that uh, Ryan mentioned there, along with Goddard and Gasecki going forward, we'll get a couple of more that we can build uh, as, as these other tight ends get a little bit older. And as we kind of move on, uh, Herndon was a guy I was a real big fan of for sure. Ian Thomas as well. Of course, I thought those guys would take time to develop and, and Herndon was one of the only playmakers on that offense. We'll see what happens if they add anything else in the off season for that young quarterback. Uh, but man, I really like that guy. He's, he's another guy I'll be, I'll be trying to get this offseason. Imagine if Gasecki did what Herndon did this year. I mean, we'd be so much more right. excited about him. You know, he'd be a top 10 guy easy, and he's, he's just not right now. What kind of opportunity do you guys see to get Gasecki? Are you going to be able to get him for mid to late second? I mean, we were spending a high to mid second to get him last offseason. Uh, I think any second is buys him almost automatically. I think I'd buy. If, if I have a late second, I'm buying Gasecki most likely. I was going to say, I think a late, I would. I don't know about. If it was an early second, I would definitely have pause about it. But, you know, late second, sure, I'll do that. Yeah. If you were a fan of I'd Gusecki, rather, the price tag's gone down. If it, what, do you, what about Ryan? Uh, what about Ian Thomas? The same, same deal with him, second? Yeah, I mean, I think Ian Thomas probably has more value than Gasecki at this point. Uh, but I still think a second, in most cases, would buy him. <clears throat> My only hesitation with with buying these tight ends, especially the ones like Gasecki who haven't really shown us much yet, is this 2019 class is is just loaded top to bottom with tight ends. And I, I know we'll get into that more in, in upcoming shows, but uh, if you need a tight end, now if you really love Gasecki, then yeah, maybe it makes sense to, to buy low on him. But if you need that young tight end, you're going to have a chance to do it to get that in this upcoming rookie draft and you might not even have to spend uh, a second rounder to do it because there are going to be so many of them. I was just going to say that I, I, if I, if I could get, if I could get Thomas for a second, I would rather do that than, than Gusecki for a, for a second at this point, I think. Hmm. Interesting stuff. We'll get into it as the off season continues. Let's go to the last rookie uh, prediction that we made. We talked about a rookie that would make the most impactful jump in ADP from the preseason until next year's preseason. Ryan, Mike, mm. Mike Gusecki. That it was, <laughs> it was impactful. Those guys that drafted him are, are impacted for sure. They were thinking it'd go the other way. Matt, you made a pretty nice pick with Traquan Smith. I went with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Gusecki... Is now tight end 21. He was tight end 15 when we talked about it. So he's dropped. Matt, uh, Traquan Smith was wide receiver 69. He's now wide receiver 37. A pretty considerable jump. Almost, well, nearly a a wide receiver 3. And MVS for the Packers went from wide receiver 106 to wide receiver 46. 
couple names we haven't talked about here, fellas, with Valdez Scantling and Traquan Smith. Let's focus in on Smith because I believe we've talked about Valdez Scantling and the situation in Green Bay recently. Matt, you went with Traquan as that guy who could make that big leap. We've we saw the big games. It's it's been noted by dynasty owners. He's made a big impact from time to time, but he's disappeared also. Uh, the fact that he's attached to Drew Brees and, and that offense in New Orleans is a big thumbs up. But the the fact that some of these other young receivers are making an impact as well, Keith Kirkwood is catching passes and overshadowing him at times. Are you How, how good do you feel about Traquan Smith and that wide receiver 37 price tag that's attached to him right now? Uh, it feels it feels a little bit high, honestly. I mean, let's like if we're in a scenario next year, let's say Drew Brees wins the Super Bowl and retires, where are we at with Traquan Smith? You know, I, I mean, obviously we have a whole offseason to find a quarterback there. Whether it's they bring back Bridgewater or draft somebody, or or maybe they hey maybe Eli Manning goes there, right? <laughs> uh, so I, I, I am a little bit worried. I, I feel like thirty seven is. I feel like that's probably going to be near peak value for this off season. And I think if I could get that price tag, I might consider selling right now, honestly. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Smith and, and what does it take for you to sell him? I, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm shocked that he's, uh, he's being valued that highly. I mean, when you look at his week to week production, we remember those big weeks that he had, especially after Ted Ginn got hurt he was wide receiver five in week five. He was wide receiver three in week 11. Uh, those two games obviously stick with dynasty owners and impact this ADP and, and his trade value and everything else. But other than those two games, his best weekly finish was wide receiver 32. So he was, I mean, he was the definition of a boom bust guy and, and, and the booms were uh, few and far between. So I would absolutely be selling um, the, I think an early second is what I would be looking for probably at this point. Yeah, and it seems like with wide receiver 37, that's what you're going to get or you should expect to get. So I'm certainly not paying that price and I'm probably selling at that price. Uh, There is a buying opportunity perhaps coming down the road. Um, Maybe he lives up to this expectation. If Ginn were to move on, uh, that would create a bigger role. But I'm like you guys, I, I think, the selling is the way to go if you can get what he's, what that ADP suggests to be worth. I mean, it's still going to be scraps, though. I think it's going to be Kamara and it's going to be Michael Thomas. And, you know, the, the other guys are going to have big games here and there, but it's not going to be consistent enough to, right. to, to uh, you know, rely on week to week. So, yeah. As far as the rookie that makes the most impactful jump in ADP, it, we all we all missed. Obviously, it was Philip Lindsay. He went from an undrafted player all the way to a running back two at RB nineteen. Let's do the same thing with second year players. Which ones make the most impactful jump in ADP? The guys we covered. I chose Mike Williams, who I still feel good about, and. I certainly felt good in his three touchdown performance, and it seems to me that anytime Keenan Allen isn't available, Mike Williams, his role will grow. I don't know how good that is for us dynasty owners that are looking to put him in lineups. Matt, you went with John Ross, and Ryan, you chose Taewon Taylor. They were all intriguing names coming into the season for sure. You can make a very good argument that Mike Williams and John Ross 
were good picks, at least. Taewon Taylor had some brief moments, but played in an offense that was not very efficient. He didn't get as many opportunities as it feels like he should have gotten. Uh, Fellas, starting with you, Ryan, how do you feel about these choices? Actually, uh, maybe I shouldn't, but I I still feel pretty confident in the well, in Taewon Taylor, I, I won't say the Taewon Taylor pick since that didn't really pan out this uh, this past season. But Taylor is still a guy I want uh, on my dynasty teams. Uh, have to be concerned, Dan, like you mentioned about the Titans' offense moving forward, and and at this point, there there are even questions about who their quarterback will be as early as next year. But Taylor is a guy that um, I, I love his talent. He I, I felt like he produced when. He got a chance, but in that offense, really for everybody, uh, it was it was just tough sledding. Uh, my pick of John Ross, I don't feel good about it at all. <laughs> I don't know why I picked him. I mean, he had he had a couple of games there. It's it's weird the uses that he had this season. You know, I know we know that Andy Ball is not a great deep ball receiver, but you'd think John Ross would maybe unlock a little bit of that. And a lot of his touchdowns came within like five yards of the goal line. So he just it just seemed like weird uses. It seems like he's 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 fast. He's quick. He if he can ever figure out how to be an NFL wide receiver, we might have something. But uh, unless we get a year three breakout, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think it's going to happen for Ross. I actually have a sliver of hope for Ross based on what I saw this year. And, and I feel like he is being held down by that Cincinnati offense because they don't use him the right way, just like you were, you were kind of alluding to there, Matt. He, he should have gotten more shots down the field. He did not have a game where he had more than 52 yards of receiving. And he should have had multiple catches of over 52 yards with that speed that we were all talking about coming out of the combine and and coming out of college. So I think a lot of it is usage. Maybe it's Andy Dalton as well. Um, If they get the right guy in there that will see the speed and use the speed, I think he showed enough in the in the short game in those bubble screens and crossing routes that if he could add being that deep threat that we all expect and know he could be he could become something that is is a little bit more like Kenny Stills or somebody like that and at least that guy has usefulness at some points, even though I I believe it was earlier this year that we called him a roster clogger. So I I think there's a sliver of hope. I've never had a lot of hope for, for John Ross. He was overdrafted and I wasn't a big fan of the landing spot and all those things, but at least he stayed healthy for the most part this year. And at least he caught a few balls and showed he can do something at the NFL level. If he can add what we thought he, he was coming out, maybe, maybe he'll, become something that's worth worth more than than the nothing he has been to this point. After talking about rookies this past preseason, we spoke of sleepers. We covered each position, but due to time constraints here, we're going to kind of jump around just a little bit. Uh, we all chose veteran quarterbacks, uh, mostly because we play in super flex leagues and they were safe and cheap. Uh, Eli Manning, Andy Dalton, and Alex Smith were the three selections. There was Obviously, some disappointments among that group. Uh, I don't think any of us knocked the knocked the uh, cover off the ball with that one. So let's move to sleeper running backs. Ryan, you went with Matt Breda, who is the RB51 when we did this. Matt, you went with Philip Lindsay, who is the RB87. That is the superstar pick of this entire exercise from the preseason. And I, I went with Aaron Jones, who is the running back 38. 
All three had value, obviously, throughout the season. But Matt, you got to kick us off here. You were the one that went with Lindsay. You during this episode are the reason that I have him on multiple dynasty teams. So I'm sure there's other dynasty owners that were listening that reacted and added Philip Lindsay. I even traded for him in one league following talking to you about him. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Uh, I just I just, just saw that burst in the preseason, you know, and, and honestly, I thought he was going to be more of a threat in the in the in the passing game, and he did catch. Uh, like 35 passes, I think, in the season. Uh, but I think he easily has potential for 50 to 60 if they decide to use him that way. It's just, uh, you know, Royce Freeman is still going to be there. This 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 head coaching change could negatively impact him. We've been through this before with these undrafted guys. So I will say that as much as I love Philip Lindsay and I'm excited to have him on multiple teams, I am I am going to look to sell him in a few spots. I think I think I need to move a few shares and, and diverse. Uh, uh, get a little bit more diverse in that portfolio a little bit. So I, I'm a little bit worried about his high price going in. I think he's, what is he, running running back 18 or 19 in, in latest ADP. And that feels about the edge of his value. I don't really ever think he's going to get, get up into that, that RB1, that fringe RB1 range. I think where he's always going to be uh, a mid RB2 in the eyes of Dynasty. So uh, I think it's more likely that his value is going to decrease from here going forward than it would be to increase. Ryan, go ahead and uh, add your thoughts on Lindsey or even Aaron Jones. Matt Breda, though, had an up-and-down season. I think you were focused in on that he would get a big opportunity because of injuries in San Francisco, specifically at the running back position. So Breda looked like a guy that was going to be a beneficiary of, of all those injuries, and it just never got really off the ground. It certainly wasn't consistent. Right, yeah. I was probably cheating a little bit on this one. I would have to check the timing, but I'm sure this was soon after the uh, injury to Jarek McKinnon and, and, and Breda. Breda was a little bit of a layup uh, in this exercise. And I mean, in some ways, he was one of the most impressive players we saw all season in that he just kept uh, kept coming back out there after so many injuries. But putting, you know, putting that dynasty hat on and, and thinking about our rosters – this can't be a player you feel comfortable having on having on your team just uh being nicked up so so often and uh and and so you know so many times it's and it wasn't just one nagging injury we saw a, a lot of players with hamstring injuries throughout the season but for Breda it was uh it, it was a little bit of everything which is a worry so he he had a, a nice impressive season and and probably earned some kind of tough guy award, but uh, not a, not a guy we really should be pursuing moving forward. I don't think the, the Lindsay call was obviously a great one uh, by Matt. And, and what, what I really kind of take away from looking at these predictions is that Aaron Jones at that point, kind of late in the preseason was the RB 38 in dynasty. Like we really, really missed the boat on that. Uh, now he's, He's closing in on that uh, that RB15 range, maybe even higher than that, and, and certainly has gained a ton of value. Yeah, and I since this is a recap of a prediction show, I, I really do feel like Jones 
is going to rise throughout that offseason. You mentioned RB15. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a low-end RB1 by the by the start of next year. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of Aaron Jones talk. He had kind of an up-and-down season, too. Started with a suspension. Then we all remember the Mike McCarthy uh, refusing to let him have the ball more than eight or nine times a game when they finally started using him regularly. There was a string of, I think, five out of six games or six out of seven games with touch touchdowns uh averaging five five and a half yards of carry for the second straight year it looks like he's going to be that number one guy going into next year and and depending on who that coach is uh could add to the 26 receptions he had this past season he'll definitely add to the 728 yards and eight touchdowns if he's able to stay healthy a guy we're really looking forward to seeing in 2019 sleeper wide receiver I went with the guy you talked about earlier, Ryan. Taewon Taylor was wide receiver 72. I agree with you. I, I do think he's still a guy I like having on my team, a guy who has not seen his ceiling just yet and should be on the field way more than he is. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in Tennessee and if Taylor's able to take a step forward going forward, uh, depending on what happens at quarterback and, and with the rest of uh, of what's happening down there with the Titans. Matt, you went with Emmanuel Sanders, a very strong pick. He was wide receiver 44, had an excellent start to the season, uh, going into the second half of the season when he had the unfortunate injury. I think he was the trade target of a lot of dynasty owners looking to swap a, a draft pick for that wide receiver three that's putting up wide receiver one slash two numbers. That's what Sanders was doing. So good pick once again, Matt. How do you feel about it now that the injury has set in, and what do you think of Sanders going forward? Man, Achilles is, is are rough for any 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 player, but someone who's who's turning thirty, or actually he's turning thirty. I think he's thirty one, right? So, <laughs> he, or he just turned thirty one, or he's going to be thirty one soon. Uh, it's it's tough to say. He's probably not going to be back in Denver. I think if he somehow does fully recover from that injury or, you know, at least gets back to 85% of himself and ends up in a, in a, in a place where he can, can thrive in the slotting. Cause I think that was really the biggest change uh, for his value from, from 2017 to 2018 is the, the, the percentage of, of snaps that he took from the slot. And the fact that Case Keenum was uh, most comfortable, I, I think, throwing to that area of the field. So I think that was a big boost to his value. I think he definitely would have had his fourth, a uh, thousand yard season if he had remained healthy. I think he played twelve games and missed missed four missed four or five something like that. Um, so I, I I felt good about him until that injury. Now going forward, I, I don't know. I, I mean, if I, if you can get him for a, a third round pick or something, it's probably worth a shot. But I'm not sure you can can really buy him for that. Yeah, it's it's really a shame because he had such a good season going, and and the fact that it happened when it did in the middle of the week, and it, oh, it was brutal for dynasty owners that added him for the stretch run because uh, we were all chasing that aging receiver to add to our lineups for, for a title run. And then, and then he goes down. So uh, too bad for, for, for lots of us. And certainly for Emmanuel Sanders, man, I was, I was heartbroken for that guy when he went down. Let's go to the sleeper tight ends. Ryan, this was a really interesting pick when you made it. We, Matt and I both commented on it. I believe Jordan Akins was tight end 43. You really dug deep for sure, and came out with Aikens, and to be honest with you, considering that ADP, you got to still feel pretty good about that selection. 
Yeah, I think so. It's just tough to know exactly what Houston is going to do. They've got these two cheap guys now, the the rookies, Aikens, and, and also Jordan Thomas. But then uh, they've still got Ryan Griffin, who is uh, seeing seeing the starter snaps when he's been healthy. So uh, the two rookies have been impressive at times. I think it was Thomas who went on a little touchdown binge there in the middle of the season. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if we want to invest in any of these guys too much. The rookies are probably, in fact, all of them are probably on, on waiver wire. So maybe take a chance uh, and, and grab them to stash for the off season. But eh, my, my expectations at this point are pretty low. Yeah, the the expectations are still pretty low. He never had a, a three-catch game or anything like that. Um, did make an impact, though. There were times, especially right away early in the season, where I felt like, wow, he's catching a couple balls each week. He's a part of this offense. Like you said, Griffin came back, and that changed things at least a little bit. Uh, the, the water's pretty muddy there, and especially in extremely deep leagues, he's worth a roster spot. Matt, your guy it was Ricky Seals-Jones. I think he would have been the selection of many dynasty owners coming into the season. He was a hot uh, up and comer that could could make an impact perhaps never really came to fruition though Matt what are your thoughts on RSJ I mean I think it, it's really hard to judge his season just based on how bad Arizona was this year right but uh, not very impressive numbers less than 50 percent catch rate uh, he got 69 targets which is pretty good for any tight end really but it just they, he just wasn't able to really do much with it um, only one touchdown on the season. So I, I, I'm still optimistic, you know, if they get the right coach in there and get this offense moving, I think he can be a productive part of it. He's still an athletic freak, um, you know, probably the best red zone weapon they have at this point. So I, I think there's there's room for optimism, but at that tight end 23 price, that seems seems a little bit steep, you know. I guess towards the end of that tight end two tier, it's probably where, where he fits in just based on upside and potential, but uh, not somebody I'll be looking to try to like you know hitch my horse to or anything for 2019 you think that that upside and potential still exists there you are you obviously you're not as excited as maybe you were in the preseason but how much of that is still there I mean the, the I mean the athletic potential hasn't changed, right? It, the, the role hasn't necessarily changed, depending on what they do from an offensive scheme standpoint next season. And and uh, uh, Josh Rosen, you know, he has a history of using the tight end from college. So I, I, I would say, I guess, cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm not super excited about it, but you know, I don't mind him as my my third tight end on a dynasty roster. One guy that won't be the third tight end on dynasty rosters this offseason is Ben Watson, who said he's going to retire after the Saints end their postseason run, whenever that may be. Watson was my selection as the tight end sleeper. I thought he had that tight end red zone big guy potential, maybe catch six or eight touchdowns and become uh, slide into the top 15 of tight ends. It didn't really happen. I knew he wasn't going to have one of those six or 800 yard seasons like uh, he had in the past when he was with the Saints and with Drew Brees. But I thought the tight end potential was there. He only caught two. Uh, I'll be rooting for him in the postseason, however, as he's going out uh, possibly on top. And I got him in my um, playoff league. So go Ben Watson. Let's go to our next topic, guys. We talked about average draft position changes uh this was a fun one to do we started by talking about the most the player most likely 
to fall out of the top 12 in ADP between the beginning of this past season and the beginning of next year. And we all agreed Le'Veon Bell was the selection. Matt, how do we feel about that one? <laughs> I mean, I mean, pretty good, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think he also has maybe not maybe top 12 is probably too high. But, you know, I think he has a potential to be still be a, a, a top five to ten running back depending on landing spot you know so I don't I don't think we've heard the last from Le'Veon oh I don't think we have either in fact I could see him jumping way up in ADP again if he gets that that ideal landing spot imagine him in Indianapolis or or a couple other places Ryan what are your thoughts on on Bell now going forward and what what this has done and will do to his ADP as he resurfaces well, I think it's probably what we all might have predicted. Again, that's kind of a was kind of a layup pick that he was certainly going to lose some value. I think even if we um, had seen him return to the field, he would have fallen out of of that first round, regardless, based on age, based on uncertainty of of a new team in twenty nineteen. Uh, but yeah, he's. He's certainly fallen out of the first round, but we're actually in, in our January ADP that we're working on. We're actually starting to see him regain a little dynasty value based on, on that at least. Yeah. He was the running or the overall player number 22. So a late second round pick in December's ADP. I don't know if you have things updated that far just yet, but it seems like that's a little bit low considering how closely we are to him playing the next time dynasty owners are in a matchup he's going to be on the field most likely let's go to the most likely player outside the top 12 overall to jump into it by the preseason next year matt i think you killed it on this one as well christian mccaffrey some may say a bit of a layup but you were the guy banging the table saying mccaffrey's going to be that guy inside and outside the offense will run through him and it did. He was the man. Lots of people would call him the dynasty or fantasy MVP this past season. Easily now a top 12 guy. And going forward still has room room to move up, really. I believe he came in at 6 last month in uh, December. That He has room to move up that list a little bit still. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was... He's just a guy that I always thought was like super safe, you know, that had like the safest floor possible. That's why he was my running back one in that class. Uh, and he proved that with volume, he, he has a lot of upside too, you know, broke the, uh, the, the record for most receptions by a running back in his second year, uh, I think held by Matt Forte previously. So uh, the only thing I think that that could be a negative scene for Chris's Christian McCaffrey is that. You know, maybe based on size, he can't hold up to that that level of workload. I think it was like 96% of snaps or something, uh, something ridiculous like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's we, we, that's yet to be determined. I'm still confident in his ability. I'm still taking him as a top five running back uh, pretty easily and, and really a top, probably a top five overall pick at this point. So still, still full steam ahead on McCaffrey for me. Yeah, certainly a top five running back. I still like those receivers at the top. My guy DeAndre Hopkins is still up there for me. So maybe not top five overall. I think overall the the dynasty community has spoken, moving him into the top six, and uh, deservedly so, no doubt. The guy that I went with was Devontae 
Adams, uh, so I guess I get a gold star as well because he was 12 in December's ADP. I don't expect him to fall too far over the offseason. Another great season from Devontae despite so much turmoil in Green Bay and all the question marks surrounding the Packers throughout the year. He had... uh, it seemed like every week he was posting eight catches and 60, 70, 80 yards at a minimum and, and scored nearly every week, it felt like. In fact, he only he only stayed out of the end zone four times in the entire season. So consistency, big numbers, all the things you look for in a wide receiver, uh, especially at the top of a draft, I, I believe he belongs in that top 12, maybe near the bottom of the group, but certainly inside of it. Uh, and don't expect him to fall out of it by the end of the offseason. Ryan, you made a made a bold choice as well, going with another wide receiver, Amari Cooper. He was overall player number 23 in the preseason. And of course, it took the trade and, and everything else for, for the, him to finally find some value Cooper still hovering down there a little bit, but Cooper owners everywhere have to feel pretty good about where he's at now. How do you feel about Cooper? Still, still banging the table. Anything for Amari? Oh yeah, absolutely. Still, still on board. Um, and uh, you know, as we know, before that trade, his his value kind of bottomed out. So he was twenty three at that point, and and then gave himself even. Uh, I guess even more room to make up with his struggles in Oakland to begin the season. So um, certainly don't think he's going to get back in that first round range, uh, I guess over this off season. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to take the L on that one, but uh, still a fan of Amari and, and like the value that he's offering in dynasty drafts. Yeah. Still, still uh, dynasty owners everywhere. Got to be excited about the potential in that offense and, and what he showed. He had a few of those games, those three catch 28 yard type performances that is, is giving a lot of dynasty owners pause. But like you said, he fell way down in in ADP and currently, or at least in December was 31. I would expect that to rise a little bit throughout the off season here as we, as we move on bust of the year predictions from the preseason. I chose Rashad Penny. There was a lot of hype, of course, with him. He was the, uh, overall 40th player off the board this past year and, or at least in the preseason and has dipped down to 54. He's still got that ADP up, you know, he, he gets kind of a pass as we've talked about in the past with these rookies. So he's still sticking relatively close to what he was in the past. I'm, I'm still selling. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, Matt, you said Ronald Jones as your bust. He might be the definition of bust, uh, from, from day one, from, from the word go, I guess, man, that was a nice pick. And then Ryan, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Matt comment on any or all of them. Yeah, I think we were pretty much locked up here, Dan, with Penny and Jones. Although I, I guess you you were a little bit higher on Jones than than I was, Ronald Jones. Right away so, coming out. Yep. Yeah, and and I just I don't know. I just didn't see it translating, and so far it hasn't. Uh, it doesn't really. <laughs> it's not really a good thing that you can't beat out Peyton Barber, for example. And as much as I love Peyton Barber, if you spend that draft capital on a guy like Ronald Jones, you should probably be able to beat him out. Um, you know, with new, with Dirk Cutter out, new coach coming in, who knows, he could certainly come back. And honestly, the hate has gone so far on him, maybe he's even a buy at this point. 
Uh, you know, I, I guess like we were talking before about a second round pick for any of those tight ends, I bet you could get Ronald Jones for a second if you believe in, in, in him and he's, and he's going to come back and do something. Uh, it doesn't really seem like his value can get a whole lot lower than it is right now uh, unless he just completely falls off the map. But, uh, yeah, this was a pretty easy bus pick for me. Yeah, you, you guys are looking good with those rookie running backs uh, struggling. Uh, and we've talked about Penny Jones and, and kind of throwing Royce Freeman into that group as well. Jones and Freeman especially, I, I'm, I can't even suggest buying low. Uh, I'm, I'm still, if I had to pick one of those, I, I would still go with Penny, but n- not really a supporter of, of any of those guys. I, I'm glad to avoid them for the most part. Uh, the Alshon Jeffrey pick that I made, a, a lot of that was based on uh, his injury and Carson Wentz's injury. Uh, of course, both of those guys came back by, I don't know, by week three or four, I guess. And for the most part, especially Jeffrey uh, played really well. So that was bad call by me. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey surprised me this year. Yeah, he, he has been surprising and continues to surprise. We'll see how that goes throughout this postseason and into next season. Other guys that were disappointing throughout the year, Devonta Freeman, of course, the injury uh, that that demolished dynasty owners that were counting on him. Jordan Howard had a down season and his ADP went down as well. Other guys include Golden Tate with the trade and the age and the things that are catching up with him. So uh, plenty of disappointments, but, but lots of uh, big seasons. Um, we talked about quite a bit more throughout that episode of predictions, but we'll move on. We want to talk a little bit about our listener league and um, you guys, you chose myself as the winner of the listener league and I did not. I knew it wouldn't happen. I chose Shecky as our winner and I was right. So I finally got one, one right. Congratulations from all of us at DLF to you, Shecky, on your title. You had a big season. Things came together for you specifically at the end of the year. You went on a run Good for you. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, though, guys, unfortunately for three of our listeners, they were eliminated from our league for finishing as the bottom three listeners in the DLF Dynasty Podcast Listener League. Those three guys, Sport and Wharton, Cups, and Do Your Dynasty Job. Thanks for participating. But your three spots will be open to a competition that will be held this offseason. For three new listeners, you can compete with myself, Matt, and Ron. Ryan for the big title that Shecky won this year. Let's talk a little bit about the playoffs, guys, before we get out of here. The NFL playoffs, of course. If you listened last offseason or, or really during the, that prediction show, we talked about who we thought we were, we were going to see in the championship games and in the Super Bowl and who would be who would be the Super Bowl winner. I originally picked the Patriots and the Jaguars as the AFC championship game. Matt, you went with the Chargers and Steelers. Ryan, you went with the Patriots and the Texans. So you're the only one that can hold strong with that prediction. Ryan, will you? No, I, I hope not. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and I, I wouldn't think so. The, I mean, the Patriots, of course, have the second seed. They have a first round bye. But it really feels like it really feels like that dynasty is over already. So uh, maybe we're counting them out too soon. That, of course, has, has been done with that team before. But it's tough to see them making the Super Bowl. Um, 
or, or maybe even getting past their first game, which will be that second week. Uh, but but we'll see. I'm I'm glad I finally kind of sort of got something right. Yeah, you get a point, you guys. That's a point, one. right? <laughs> well done. So who do you it think? Took a long time. Now that now that you you're on record saying Pats Texans before the season, and like I said, you're the only one that can stick with that prediction and really score big. But you're going to go a different way. Yeah, I mean, I I guess you have to go with the Chiefs. That that home field advantage has proven to be huge for them. Um, so uh, I'll kind of take the layup there with the Chiefs, but the Ravens are going to be awfully fun. All right, so Chiefs Ravens. Uh, who wins the AFC, Ryan? Who goes to the Super yeah, Bowl? I'll go with the Chiefs. Okay, Matt, you went with the Chargers and Steelers. Chargers are still in. You said the Steelers would beat them and go to the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on that prediction? And and who's going to be the team now? Well, the Steelers, I mean, they crapped the bet. Let's be honest. They should have been in the playoffs. <laughs> There's no reason that team should not be in the playoffs. Uh, now we all have all this drama, like I said, with Antonio Brown. And who knows what's going to happen with that team going forward. Chargers, I still feel pretty good about it. And I honestly, I feel whoever gets through this game, uh, the Chargers or the Ravens, I think that's, that, that, that's really the most intriguing game to me this weekend. And I think whoever makes it through that is going to be, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if I, it'll be a favorite. I, I guess I guess they'll end up playing the Chiefs. Is that right? Um, so that's going to be a difficult matchup. But honestly, I still think the Chargers can represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So I'll go, I'll go Chargers, Pats, uh, uh, in in the in the, in the the championship game, and I'll, I'll take the Chargers to the Super Bowl still. So I actually think that the Colts are going to go to Houston and beat the Texans. I like what they've been doing lately. So that would make the Ravens when they beat your Chargers, Matt. That would make them not go to Kansas City, but instead go to New England, beat them, and then beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. So I have the Chiefs and Ravens in the AFC title game. And I'll take the Ravens and that defense and that rookie quarterback that runs all over the place. I'm going to, I'm going to go out a limb and go with them. Let's move on to the NFC. I went with the saints and the Rams, Matt, you did the same Ryan, no point this time. You picked the team that got the 12th pick and should have probably had a top five pick the Packers to play the saints. We'll start with you though. Again, are you going to stick with the saints as the NFC team in the super bowl? And who do they play in the NFC title game? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Saints for sure. Uh, they're easily the NFC team that, that I feel the most confident in. And again, like I said with the Chiefs, I think home field is a big deal for them, maybe even more than other teams in that uh, inside that dome. Uh, so along with the Saints, I will pair them up with the Bears in the NFC championship game. Mm, and the Saints go to the Super Bowl? Yes. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'm sticking with the Saints and Rams, and I originally picked the Rams. Ugh, I still want to stick with them, but I do think the Saints are the better team right now. So I'll, I'll pivot there instead of saying that the Rams go to the Super Bowl, I'll say the Saints. But I'll keep the Saints and Rams both in the, in the, in the NFC Finals. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to stick with the Saints and Rams because that's what I said early in the year. I, I kind of think the Bears are going to beat the Rams, though. I, I feels like that defense is... Even if they have to go to when they have to go to LA, they could they could stick it to them. Super Bowl title, last prediction of the show. I had the Saints. Matt, you had the Steelers. Ryan, you had the Saints. I'm sticking with the Saints for sure. Ryan, sounds like you're sticking with the Saints. Matt, you yes. can't go with your Steelers. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Chargers. 
All right, you take the charge. I have the Ravens beating them and going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, we did that bet episode, fellas. Maybe this is another one since uh, we didn't get to cover it, but we'll just add to it by the end of the year, huh, Matt? Yeah, I do think Saints are probably the most likely team to win the Super Bowl, but I think the Chargers are more fun right now, so I'm going with them. You just have to be different. I have to. You just have to be different. All right, fellas, uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. Be sure you're following Matt and Ryan on Twitter. You can follow me as well. Uh, we're going to start digging more into off-season content and all the, the things that we get excited about as Dynasty owners going forward in the next month or so, including talking about future rookies and how that's going to impact ADP for Matt and Ryan. I'm Dan. Thanks again for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.